Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So, throughout the years, we've heard and we've sang many songs about love. Would you agree? As a matter of fact, for some of the older generation in here, the Beatles once composed and sang a song about love. Do you guys remember what it was? All you need is, you remember that, and even some of the, now, some of my younger guys are like, what? The Beatles sang that song, all you need is love. It was Tina Turner, though, who sang, what's love got to do with this? And it was Whitney Houston who belted out one of the greatest songs, and I will always love you. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking the list could go on and on, could it not? The list could go on, and we could spend hours recalling your favorite songs about love. And when I wrote this, I realized I sounded like a Time Life Columbia House CD Club infomercial about love songs. <laughs> I really pictured me going, and I know that we could spend hours listening to your favorite love songs. <laughs> and then it dawned on me, some of you in this room still owe Columbia House for the 30 CDs you bought for a penny in 1995. You have the 30 CDs you never paid. We're going to be taking a collection to get that set up for you. So this morning, I want to talk to you, if, you, if you'll permit me, about the greatest love story in history. But listen, it's not a song. It's not a poem. It's not a simple story for our reading enjoyment. You see, it's a story that was written with the Son of God's blood upon a cross 2,000 years ago. Now, if you grew up in a church background, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't grown up, sometimes when, when a pastor or a preacher talks about a cross, the blood, the sacrifice, you have a tendency to tune out. I can't wait to go get out here. We're going to go eat. My friend tricked me. He said we were going to go eat and he brought me here. I'll get you for this. And your little dog too. But it is. It is of most importance, church. Listen, listen. So, so, here's the thing. Today is Easter Sunday. Some people call it Resurrection Sunday. It's all about Jesus. You understand that. And the reason you're here is because you either have a relationship with God or God is prompting you in this area. That's why you're here. I'm not here. I'm here because somebody made me. Okay, I get that. I told them to. I told them to take you to brunch, but bring you here first. But I know that when it comes to Easter, church, listen, 
many, if not all, the churches are going to talk about Jesus and the cross as well as the resurrection. Can I get a good amen? Amen. But today I thought I want to go just a little bit deeper. And by doing so, I need to set the stage for just a minute. You go, what do you mean? Let me tell you this. One of mankind's greatest need is to be loved and accepted, to be free, and to be part of a family. Let me say this again, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You're here today. Mankind's greatest need, whether you're 8 or 80, your greatest need is to be loved, to be accepted, to be set free, and you're longing to be part of a family. That's what you want. And I found this quote that I thought was very appropriate. It says this, Love is the universal desire that every human heart craves. From an infant to the oldest man, we all desire to love and to be loved. Wow. And then Solomon, if you look at Solomon, Solomon chapter, or Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 6 to 7, notice what he says. He says this, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. He's talking about love. For love is as strong as death. Its jealousy is ending as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightness kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. Did you hear that? If a man tried to buy love with all of his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. That's the word of God. Solomon says, look at verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, nor rivers can drown it. Okay, men, today go to your wives and say, I love you and many waters can't drown it. Or quench it. You got it right here from the word of God. But he also goes on and he says, if a man tried to buy love with all of his wealth, what would happen? It would be utterly scorned. You know what Solomon does? It reminds me of another Beatles song. Can't buy me love, right? Money can't buy me love. No, no, no. Seriously, though. Solomon just said, love cannot be bought. It cannot be bought. It's not for sale. Listen to me. Love, biblical love, is a choice of the heart. It's a choice of the heart. So today I'm asking you today to to open up your heart. Lord, Lord, where am I? What's going on in my life? When we think of love or talk about love, I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul. See, legend has it, that a wealthy merchant traveling through the Mediterranean world looking for the Pharisee and the apostle named Paul, he somehow encountered Timothy and who arranged this visit. Paul at the time was a prisoner in Rome and stepping inside the cell, the merchant was surprised to find a rather old man, physically frail, but whose serenity and magnetism challenged the visitor. They talked for hours And finally, the merchant left with Paul's blessing. Outside the prison, the man, the the concerned man inquired, 
what is the secret of this man's power? I've never seen anything like it before. Well, did you not guess, replied Timothy? Paul is in love. In love? The merchant looked bewildered. In love? Yes, the missionary answered. Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. Well, the merchant even looked even more bewildered. Is that all? Smiling, Timothy replied, Sir, that is everything. That is everything. So this morning, we're going to be looking at, a, at God's kind of love. See, and maybe you came this morning, and like I said, I jokingly said, hey, somebody brought you, somebody twisted your arm, they promised you food, and you said, okay, I'll go. Or maybe the Holy Spirit prompted you, you said, hey, it's Easter, we need to go to church. And, but let me say this, let me say this, guys. If you are here this morning and you feel like you're a million miles away from God, you feel like you're a million, like he doesn't even listen to you, or you're here today, and this is the closest you've ever been, to the Lord, this message is for you. This message is for you. Listen, when it comes to a biblical love, like I understand a Hollywood love. You get that, right? You get that like, oh, my heart was beating fast when I saw her. Or we were running down in the, in the sand. Dun, 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 dun. I get the Hollywood love. I'm talking about a biblical love, one that you and I crave. Why? Because the God who governs the world and the universes, who created all things, he created you. And he actually created you with a void in your heart, a void in a, in a, in a space that only he could fill. And we try, come on church, we try to fill it with everything else. We try to fill it with relationships. Oh, if that's the one for me, oh, then it would just be great. Or we try to fill it with material things. Oh, if I could just get that house, then I'd be happy. We try to fill it with drugs or alcohol. Oh, listen, I just don't want to feel the pain anymore. I need something in my heart. And today God's going, if you'll just fill it with me, you'll be satisfied. This is, this is what he's saying. That's a, that's a godly love. And our goal this morning and our goal in life, when it comes to a godly love and a biblical love, it's how we can develop it, how we can express it, how we can share it, and how we can experience it. That's our goal. Now, before we go on, because we are a Bible teaching church, let me quickly uh, give you, let's look at four types of love from Greek philosophers. If you're taking note, there are four. The first one used is agape. Everybody remember agape? Agape love. That's sacrificial, unconditional love. This is a love. This love is a decision you make to love a person even though you may not like them. Can I get an amen? It's about sacrifice as well as giving and expecting nothing in return. You understand what kind of love this is. This is not a love of, honey, I'll wash the dishes, but, wink, wink, wink. Honey, I'll do the laundry, but, I'm expect. this is an unconditional, this is, everybody say it with me in just a moment, this is a choice. This is a choice. This is a, 
That's agape. Well, then you have phileo. And phileo is a little bit different. It's called a a love is an affection, a brotherly love. That's when you can go up to a, a brother and say, I love you, man. I love you, buddy. Because it's a phileo. It's an affectionate. This is where we get the term Philadelphia, city of brotherly. Yeah, you guys are with me. And then you have storge. You go, what's a storge love? That's a family love. That's a friendship love. That's the natural love parents to a children or between family members. That's storge. A little bit, a little bit more tight compared to phileo. Okay? You're never going to leave your children out in the rain, but you might leave a brother. <laughs> right? Right? Pastor Sove. Yes? I'm out here. Can you come get me? Oh, man. Listen, I just went to bed and doors locked and everything's in there. But if Maniah called him, that's a different love. You got that? And then you have Eros. And this is the passionate romantic love. So we have four different kinds. You have agape, you have phileo, you have storge, and then you have eros. Now, among all of these levels, you understand agape is the most difficult to experience and express. How so? Many of us in this world walk with a sort of phileo, storge kind of love from God. As long as I'm a good little boy and a good little girl, then God's going to affectionately be okay and love me. And that's how we interchange this. You might be here today and you think, I have blown it so bad in my life, there's no way that a God could love me. There's no way. There's no way. I have made so many bad choices, there's no way God can love me. Because we're basing it on phileo and storge. But to be honest with you, what we really crave is agape. It's agape. And agape, guys, is it's incredible of expressing unless... We are helped by God. That's how we can do it. And this is why agape love is found among Christians. This is why when you attend a church, you should be family. You should be family. I often say, and I say jokingly, we are a dysfunctional family. We have the uncles that nobody wants to be around. We have those aunties. We have all of this stuff. But to be honest with you, the reason people keep coming back is because you were family. And you can't kick me out of the house. I'm family. Oh, no. Here comes so-and-so. Oh. Why? He's family. Oh, he's family. He's family. He's family. And, and that's what he's talking about, guys. This is why it's found among Christians. This is what so many people in the world are hungry for. They want family. They want a place to belong. This is what he's saying. Because the agape love, it's poured out in our hearts at the point of salvation. And what it is, it's a seed. And it, requir- it requires nurturing, constant practice, 
for it to, to, to mature into a point where it can be expressed. That's what agape love is. It's that seed. And you start looking at people that you thought you would never be friends with and your friends, and you wonder why. It's agape love. It's like, whoa, that's cool. Listen to the way Paul talks about love. Paul, in writing to the Romans, says this. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Don't you just love that? Hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because the love of God. And I wonder today how many of us are missing that love of God. Oh, don't get me wrong. You have love. You have love. You have a love for your family, and you have love for your children, and you have, you have this different kind of love. But I'm talking about the love of God that has changed you from the inside out. And you may have come into our church this morning, and you may have thought, I didn't even realize how empty I was inside. And what I, you started talking about love and, 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 and right away, and, and, and here's what's going on. A couple of things are happening. Either you're tuned out, and right now you don't even know I'm talking about you, because you're too, or you're tuned in and you're like, he's talking about, and, and, and your heart's beating just a little bit fast. Listen, the God who created us poured out his love into our hearts by the means of the Holy Spirit. This is called agape love. It's an unconditional love from him to us, but then to us, to each other. To each other. This one thing that brings believers together as his family is love in our hearts. Now, let me give you this. Listen, tune tune in, Christian, tune in. The biggest challenge in the world, you ready? Is we live, the biggest challenge is the world we live in is that we are missing the love of God in our hearts as well as not being part of his family. You go, well, how so? Many times I'm called to go pray for somebody at the hospital who does not have a church. And the reason I, I, it grieves me is because the church is their family. Well, pastor, they don't have anybody here. Could you come and pray for them? And again, the world, guys, the world, the world is missing the love of God. And they're missing the, being part of a family. Pastor Ben, I've got a question. What does this have to do with Resurrection Sunday? Everything. Everything. Why? Well, remember, man's greatest need, apart from being saved, is feeling loved. Is being accepted. Is being part of the family. And dare I even say, connecting with others. That really is our greatest need. Now, Some of us in this room, some of us watching online, some of us listening, wherever you might be, we've put walls in front of our hearts. We've built up walls where we go, oh, I don't need to connect in front of any. I don't need, I'm good. I am good by myself. 
I'm good. Yeah, no, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to get so, I'm not going to get close. And what's happening now is through the worship, your heart began to open just a little bit. It began to open just a, and you're singing. You're just like, okay, okay. And now, oh, pastor's talking. He's talking. Okay, okay. And you're realizing this morning. Yeah, I need that connection. I need that connection with others. I. You see, love gives us the assurance that we're not alone in the world. You can jot that down. Love gives us the assurance that we're not alone in the world. Can I get an amen on that? If we're being honest, can we be honest in church? Can we be honest in church? If we're being honest, one of the greatest strongholds of religion, not a relationship with God, but religion, one of the greatest strongholds they have is they convince you that you're a bigger part of something, whatever it is. That's religion. And many false religions actually strive on making sure every member never feels alone and that they're a bigger part of the picture. That's why many people will seek religion. That's why many people will go to church on Easter Sunday. I feel like I'm really struggling. Life hasn't been great. Things are kind of not good. I think I should go, help me, church, go to church. Whatever church it might be, whatever religion it might be. But what I found, guys, is the, the, the religions out there go the extra mile to make you feel part of their family. But it's not only religion. Come on, church, it's not only religion. Gangs go the extra mile to make you feel like your family. All there, there's we, we all kinds of they'll go. I, I've got to get him. I want you to feel part of this. And so I thought, okay, let's. You got false religions. You got religions. You got all this stuff, and you got all these people striving to make sure people. I, I want to know what the world thinks. I want to know what the world thinks. So I looked up. Here's what I found. Listen, this is what the world thinks, according to psychologist Stephen Reese. He writes, "Quote: Some people said people seek religion to cope with the fear of death. Others call it." on the basis for morality and various other theories around. Religion, he says, attracts followers. Why? Because it satisfies all of the 16 basic desires that humans share. Now, according to Reese, he goes on and he says this, the number one basic desire for people is acceptance. This is the world. The world's saying our basic need is that we want to feel accepted. We want to love and to be loved. This is, I was like, wow, wow. So we got to ask a question this morning. You go, what's that? So what does the resurrection mean to me? 
Throughout the world today, churches are going to be putting on plays. They're going to be showing Jesus is risen. If you're Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be, that's all. He is risen. Amen. That's what they're all about. But, but let's take it a little bit deeper. What does the resurrection mean to me? What does it mean? Oh, I went to church. I went to that Calvary church there on 42nd in Boston, and it was, it was a pretty good teaching. Uh, but what'd you get out of it? Well, it was real fun. We got great music. And out. No, no, no. We've got to go deeper. What does it mean? What does it mean? Do you guys remember the band U2? They used to sing a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Do you remember that one? Uh, We're on a song theme, so you, you better just jot these down. But here's what I can say for sure. Many in this room have found what they're looking for. Many have found that. You go, amen. I have found it, man. Why? Well, here's the thing. You can can testify to the fact that many of you said, we have found family through Jesus. We have found acceptance. I have found unconditional love of Christ. Yet others have not found what they're looking for. You can sing that. I have not found. And since... I, since we're on a uh, on a song theme, do you remember that old country song? I was looking for love in all the wrong place. Yeah, some of you are singing, you country fans, you. You might be here this morning and you're going, you know what? I have been looking for love, not not a worldly love. Come on, somebody, not a world. I'm I've been looking for a biblical, a godly, agape love in all the wrong places. I've been looking for it in drugs or alcohol or gambling. I've been looking for it in relationships. I've been looking for it all over the place. I've been expecting my spouse, my partner, to fulfill only thing that God can fill. And you're here today and you're saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, today, you've come to the right place. Now, let's quickly look at our text, guys. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes, and you'll see it on the screen. Now, abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. It was a few weeks back, probably about three weeks, I was thinking about Easter, and this scripture jumped out at me. And it just, it, 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 you go, well, it has nothing to do with like, like Matthew, the tomb, early morning. And I thought, but no, but, but listen, it, it, he, Paul is writing, he says, the greatest of these is love. And this is, to the church, a very familiar, recognizable scripture. We put it on plaques, shirts, tablecloths. We put it everywhere. You see, it's a verse that people find meaning no matter how strong their faith is. And it's attached to one of the most celebrated segments in Scripture among believers today. But I want to know more. What's the meaning behind this verse? The greatest of these is love. Well, in order to answer that question, we need to go back and we need to see what Paul is talking about. So if you're taking notes, guys, listen, this message is both to believers this morning and to those who yet to believe. We'll go back just a little bit in your Bibles to verse 1 of chapter 13. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he says this, 
Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become a brass or clanging symbol. You see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? Look, all of a sudden, guys, he's saying, well, listen, I could speak with tongues of men and angels, but when it comes to that, I sound like this. I love you. Really? That's what he's talking about. Now, some of us need to hear that we're loved, but we hear that because we're not loved, because we don't feel love. That's what Paul is saying. And he's also saying in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and although I have faith, and I could, I could say and remove mountains, he says, if I, but have not love, he says, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. He says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Did I mention to you that God's, that man's greatest need, apart from being saved, is feeling loved? Being accepted, being part of the family, connecting freedom? Did I mention that? And even when we're saved, God calls us to love one another. Listen to what Paul says in the New Living Translation, verse 3. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, he says, I would gain nothing. I gain nothing. Think about what Paul is saying. This is the Apostle Paul. I watched a documentary the other night, and I won't tell you the documentary per se because I want to just kind of I want to tell you the sad part that really um, made me sad about it. Okay, I'll tell you the documentary because <laughs> I've got to tie it in. I've got to tie it in. Um, how many of you have seen the Jesus music documentary? Anybody? Couple? Yeah. The Music people, right? The Jesus music was all about, in the beginning, in the 60s, some of you were here in the 60s. <clears throat> there you go. <laughs> Any former hippies in the 60s? Just checking, just checking. There we go. All right. In the 60s, Love Song came out, and, um, and up until that point, the church was, it was all just... Uh, choir it was all there wasn't any any guitars or nothing it was all we just sang a cappella and so forth well love song comes on and and and, and i won't spoil the whole because i want you to see it but here's the bottom line it moved from from the 60s all the way to what we call contemporary christian music you understand that and so that's where we get our songs today now i think now in the latter part of 2020s we've moved to where churches are putting out more albums than than christian artists you understand that but here's the point here here's the point here's here's the premise that i got the guy comes out and he says, we've done all of this. And he says, and what I found was that the unbelievers were more accepting than the church. The church believers 
were the ones giving these, these artists a hard time for singing about Jesus. Because that's not what we do. The secular world was like, that's awesome! And I was thinking about this, because here's what Paul says. He says, though I, listen, if I, I do all of these things, but I'm not loving you. I'm nothing. And you go, okay, well, what, what constitutes a biblical, what does biblical love look like? I know what, I know what Hollywood love looks like. I know the romance. I know all of that. I've seen plenty of movies. I've seen the, I haven't. Is there one called The Letter or something like that? The Lake House? I don't know. There's a lot of movies out there with love, right? At the end, oh. But what's biblical love look like? Verse 4 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Love thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Notice, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And he says, love never fails. That's part of verse 8a. This is a biblical love. Now, if you're here today and you're going, Pastor, I am, uh, you're exactly right. I am, and I feel like I, I just, I'm, I'm not loved. I'm not accepted. I, don't, I feel like this is what's going on. Well, listen, here's where it gets good. Why? Because you know love if we were to insert Jesus in the text. But I can't go through all of them for sake of time. But let me give you just a rule. Here's what he's saying. When it comes to you, Jesus is patient and kind. He's not the God who's got a spiritual billy club ready to hit you over the head for the mistakes you've made. He's patient and he's kind. That's what he says. It says Jesus, guys, is not prideful. And puffed up. Here's what I love. Jesus thinks no evil, nor rejoices in the corruption or cruelty. Oftentimes, men will put God in the same way that man thinks. And, and we think that God, God doesn't think evil. There is no darkness in him. He's not sitting there going, wait, well, I'll get you. Uh, give me some angels. Go, go take care of this. He doesn't do that. He doesn't think like we do. Whenever we're attacked, we want to retaliate. We want to fight back. Whenever we're... Slandered. And Jesus doesn't do that. Here's what I love. Maybe you'll be here today. We'll go through the whole message. God will be knocking on your heart. And you'll go, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to change my life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And you'll walk out the door and you're going to get saved. No, I didn't get saved today. And you'll think that God is going to be mad at you. And that he's going to be, and he's going to be angry, and he's looking down to go, and, and but he doesn't think evil thoughts. He's not like, well, wait till you get to Rosa's. Right? Wait till you. 
no Easter eggs for you kind of thing. That's not God. He, here's what he says. Listen, Jesus, he doesn't think any evil. He doesn't rejoice. Guys, as a matter of fact, you know this. John 3, 16, for God so loved you that he sent his only son to die on the cross. And whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. And here's what I love. Jesus, based on our text, he rejoices in the truth. So now we need some truth. You guys ready? Here's the truth of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. Let me just read it. You can look at the screen. He says, now, he says, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, for the good news I preached before you. You welcomed it then and you stand firm in it. This is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe in the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed in something that was never true in the first place. What's the gospel, Paul? What's the gospel? He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. What's that, Paul? Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said, period. Think about what he just said. Here's the gospel. You ready? Now, I have some really, really, really good news for you. And I also have some bad news for you. You go, what's that? Here's the gospel. You ready? Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, came to this earth to pay the penalty for you. He died on the cross. Okay, but before that, we know that the Romans, they, they, they flogged him, they, they took some, uh, a cat of nine tails and they scourged him. The Bible says it was so bad that when he was on the cross, he was unrecognizable. He didn't even look like a man. His flesh was shredded, blood everywhere, crown of thorns, Jesus on the cross. That's where we get the term excruciating. And he sat there, and he he stayed on the cross for six hours. And he died. And the Bible says that he became sin. He took the sacrifice. He became sin who knew no sin so that you could become righteous. What does righteous mean? So that you could feel loved, agape loved, so you can feel accepted, so you can have freedom, so that you can live at peace. And then he was buried. And yesterday, could you imagine what the disciples are thinking? It's Saturday. Jesus said he was going to raise. I was tripping because he said he was going to die, and I didn't believe him, and now he's dead, and now our Messiah is gone. I don't know what to do, and it was hopeless. But they didn't realize that Sunday was coming. So Jesus is resurrected. He's alive. He's alive. And again, this is the gospel. You go, well, Ben, you said you have some bad news. Yeah, here's the bad news. When you're given the gospel message over and over and over and over again, and you go, no, thank you, 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 your heart begins to get hard, and it doesn't penetrate anymore. And I, But I've got to tell you the truth. I've got to tell you the truth. And so I thought to myself, church, listen to me, if this was my last message on the planet, what would you want me to say? Would you want me to shoot straight with you? Would you want me to tell you the gospel truth? If I were sitting in the audience, what would I want somebody to say to me? 
Listen, we're talking about where you're going to spend eternity. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but we're all going to live forever. And I understand the kids in here, and I understand people of all ages say, well, I didn't ask to be born. Nobody asked to be born. But we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. And this is serious. So here's my heart. I need to ask you a question. Do you, with absolute confidence, have a genuine relationship with God? And here's where it gets better. The benefit of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the benefit that you get today is you can leave here knowing that you are loved. Okay, but let me, let me say this. This is key, guys. This is key. You ready? I want you to know tonight, this, this morning, that you are loved regardless of your past. There are many people who have mocked God in the past. They were angry with God. They've actually denied God. They have swore up and down that they're atheists. And right now, there are people who feel like they could never come to God because of what they did. For however old you are, you're saying, I could never, I could never do this. You know, I have not, I have not lived for God. I have denied Him at times. I have been mean to Him at times. I've cursed Him at times. How could a God love, how could I come to God? That's just not right. And what you're thinking is, I'll pay my penance for what I've done. I, that's okay. I'll accept responsibility. Here's the issue though. God says, you don't have to. I've taken that from you because I knew And so the devil comes in in your life and says, "You're not. You don't. You don't even. You shouldn't even be at church today. You shouldn't even be doing. What you, I don't even know why you're here. God doesn't love you. He loves the the good little girls and the good little boys. Those are the ones that go to heaven. And and that's not that's not God. Because the God kind of loves. Listen to me. He forgives." And he says, I welcome you home. I welcome you. Even what I've done, even what you've done. But I've denied him. That's okay. That's agape. That's agape. Another benefit of the gospel, number two, you're accepted. You are accepted. You are now part of the family, warts and all. Ever hear that? You're now part of the family. And you've come in with baggage. Everybody's got baggage. You're coming. Well, I can't. I've got a lot of baggage. And you've got a backpack and you've got suitcases and you're walking in. You're like, I can't give my life. I've got too much baggage. And the Lord says, come on in. Well, no, 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 no. I've got to get rid of my baggage first. I'll be back. I've got to. God says, no. Here's the thing. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. What do I do with my baggage? God says, I'll take it. Lord, but Lord, but Lord, this is a lot of it. And here's what we do. Some of the biggest stuff, we go right here. Okay, God, take it. 
And he looks and he goes, hey, what about that backpack? Oh, hold on. I didn't know you wanted it all. Because I got some, okay. Listen, it's the Lord. Listen to me. It's the Lord who takes away and heals you. But he does it slowly and gently. Everybody say, why? Because we don't like change. We, don't, we think we'll have to change. Well, if I get saved today, if I give my life to God, if I surrender my life to God, I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to change. And I like, and I like me. I like doing what I do. I, I just like me. I just want to change. But I know I need to change, but I'm not going to. And the Lord says, slow down. So slow down, old friend. I'll do the changing. And sometimes you're sitting here with a bunch of luggage like this, and you're going, and God says, hey, how about, how about we take the little one first? Okay. And then he'll heal you up. And throughout your life, you'll become baggage-free. And you're like, wow. I got, I, got, I got a spoiler alert for you. You ready? We're never baggage-free until we get to heaven. So if you're going, well, he's going, yeah. it, it, even today, I'm still carrying some stuff that the Lord is working. You're the pastor. I know. Isn't that crazy? He's still working. He's still working. So don't ever come in here and feel like, well, I can't because I've messed up so bad. Anybody ever? I've messed up so bad. I remember one time I was in a big, I was in a dire straits. I just could not believe the mess I was in. And I remember saying, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you. And then he got me out of it. And I forgot about that promise. And I went about my business. God's not going to forgive that. He's still waiting for me. He's like, okay, come back. Remember back in 1985 when you were there? He doesn't keep score. He says, just come. Just come. So you're going to be loved. You guys ready? You're going to be accepted, but you're also going to be free. The resurrection sets you free. Now here's your question. Free from what? You ready? Together. Free from what? Let's try it again. Free from what? One more time. Free from what? Yeah, you guys are good. You guys are good. What do I need to be freed from? You ready? If you're taking note, you're going to be free from emptiness. You see, you've come into church today and you're empty. And if you're feeling empty, you're not alone. Many of us feel empty in different ways. For instance, you might feel empty because something is missing from your life. And once again, I draw your attention to the, to the fact that we have a God-shaped hole in our heart and we're trying to fill it with everything else. And you feel empty. Most, most people feel empty inside. And most people who feel empty have some deep, false beliefs regarding why they feel empty. He's going to set you free. You go free from what? Well, maybe, maybe you're not empty, but here's the thing. He's going, to, he's going to set you free from unforgiveness and guilt. You see, as much as you want to be loved and feel loved, you've walked in here with guilt. 
The guilt of your past, the guilt of who you are, the guilt of your present. And guilt is a feeling that everyone is familiar with. And it can be described as a bothered conscience, a feeling of culpability for offenses. We feel guilty when we feel responsible for actions that we regret. Knowing that what we have done in life, we still have to give an account. That's how we feel guilty. This is what scares people at death. You understand that. Here's why. Intellectually, every one of you know you're going to die. If the Lord Jesus doesn't come back, you know you're going to die because everybody dies. Okay, Statistically, 10 out of 10 people die. And if you ask people, they don't like to talk about it, right? It's, it's the most unpopular thing to talk about. Why? Because of guilt. Because of something you did or said or hurt somebody way back in the day or how you, again, what is it? What's he saying? It's, it's a bothered, oh man. And so what you do is you try to prolong. You know you're going to die, but you go, what do I do? How do I get rid of this guilt? And the problem is, is without Jesus, this is where a lot of people end up in not a good place because of guilt. What else should I give up? What else do, what, what, you know, free from what? You ready? Free from pain. You go, what kind of pain? Well, physical and emotional pain. Physical and emotional pain. As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 53, 4 and 5, here's the word of God. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Okay, that means he's, he's, he's physically healed you. Yet we've esteemed, we've esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. And you go, what does that mean? What does that mean? Listen, you've come into church this morning, and, and, and you might have a physical pain that God wants to desperately heal you today. Or you might have come into church and it's deeper than just physical, it's emotional. You understand that we all carry these baggages, okay? So, so we've got some emotional pain in here. You're dealing with the past, but you've got some stuff. Okay, do you realize that your pastor, do you realize that, that his mother died when he was 18 months old? And then his sister, his older sister, died when she was 19 and he was only 13. Okay, part of the emotional pain that I deal with is abandonment. Wait, wait a minute. Why are people leaving? I don't understand, Lord. And he's got to heal me. And he heals me. And he sets me free. Well, what else can I be freed from? Well, if you give your life to Jesus today, you can be free from alcohol, anger, anxiety. You see, all those are physical things that keep us in bondage to them. Because the, the funny thing is, is they never fill the God-shaped hole in our heart, yet we keep trying to put them in. Okay, well, this one time it'll work. And what happens is that, is that if there's alcohol or drugs, it produces anger. Why? Because I can't get rid of this feeling. I can't break free. And so there it is. And what it does is, and and when you start to walk, 
when you start to go just a little bit, what does it do? It pulls you back. You know what the gospel does? You know what the resurrection does? It frees us from loneliness. It frees us from loneliness. Loneliness is painful. Without a doubt, this was the most frequently mentioned experience of loneliness. Words have been used to describe this type of pain include hurt, sorrow, ache, sadness, depression, torn up, bleeding, and broken. Clearly the pain is one in which the lonely person feels damaged as though someone as as through someone their spirit was crushed. It hurts to feel lonely and it hurts even more because we don't have anyone to share it with. What am I what does the gospel do? It frees me from fear. Last one. Fear from what? The fear from dying. I don't have to worry about dying anymore. You see, because one of the questions that most, most pastors will ask at a time like this is he says, hey, if you died tonight, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And, and most of the answers would be, I hope so, or, or I, 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 I cross my fingers, I think so. And here's the answer I gave back when I was 17. Well, I think I'm good enough. I think, I think my good outweighs my bad. I should be okay. But reality, if I were to look deep in my heart, I was like, man, I really hope so. I'm trusting in, I'm, I'm trusting in a religion. I'm trusting in, in, in my good works. How good do I have to be? But let me tell you this. Some of you in this room, he wants to take that fear from you. The fear of dying. And he wants to set you free from the fear of living. You see, some of you in here, you're not afraid to die. You're afraid to live. You're afraid to live. Dying, not a problem. But living. 1 Corinthians 13.13 says, Now abide in faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. As the worship team comes back up, let me close with this. The fact is, this morning, you have a choice before you. A very important choice. Today, your choice is a matter of life and death. What are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Listen, I'm talking about getting right with God. If you aren't right with God when Christ returns for his church, you will be left behind. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Ben, I don't know. I've heard this before. I'm still a little skeptical. I have some good news for you. Jesus loves skeptics. As a matter of fact, one of Jesus' disciples was a skeptic at first. 
in John chapter 14, listen to this, verse 3. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself, so that where, where you will be, I am. And you know the way that leads to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way to get there? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Don't you got to love Thomas? You just got to love Thomas. Why? He was honest, yet skeptical. And Jesus didn't go, oh, Thomas, I can't believe this. How many years have I? Oh, no, he goes, I love you. I understand. I understand. And I'll tell you why. Because I, too, was a skeptic. I was a skeptic for Christ for many years. And I really thought to myself, this Christian thing won't work for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I belong to a very long religious tradition. And here's what I said. Christ could never change a guy like me. But he did. He did. You know why? Because Jesus is an expert at changing skeptics into believers. In fact, it's been said that skepticism is the first step to belief. And some people might say, you know what, though, Ben? God loves me like I am. That's true. That's true. God loves you just like you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. You see, the gospel will change you from the inside out. The resurrection means, you ready? He came to set you free. Now, there might be some of you saying here, Ben, I don't have a relationship with God, not like the one you were talking about. And if we're being honest, I don't feel loved. I, I don't feel like I'm accepted. I'm a part of something. I don't have the freedom you were talking about. I'm still lonely. I'm still, I'm still empty. And when you were talking, Ben, it just seemed like lights were going on and something in my spirit was on. I, I really tuned in. And that made me realize that I really don't think I'm a believer. I don't think I've ever really accepted him. And to be honest, I don't even know where to begin. And you're saying to me this morning, I have no clue where to start. And if I'm being honest, Pastor, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. And here's what I say to you. You may feel this morning like you're a million miles away from God, but you're also one decision away from him as well. One decision. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that you've been pursuing. He's, God has been pursuing with, with his love, pursuing you with his love all day today. I sincerely believe that he's brought you here today for this reason. You go, what reason is that? He wants to set your life on the right course. He wants to set your life upon the rock. He wants to make your footsteps firm. 
And most importantly, he wants you to realize why you are on this earth, that he has a plan and it has a purpose. You see, part of not feeling loved is you feel like, I have no purpose. I don't, nobody cares if I'm here. But he cares. He cares. And he has a plan. And he has a purpose specifically for you. Now listen. Apart from him, you're not in it. But today, if you'll surrender your life to him, you can walk right in the center of it. Of his plan and his purpose. And here's what you're thinking, Ben, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart to Jesus. And you go, how? How? First and foremost, you need to admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And that your way hasn't worked. Second of all, you need to repent of your sins. Repent means you need to change your mind and your direction. You know how you live for this world? Now you're going to live for God that way. He doesn't change your personality. He just changes you from the inside and for his glory. And third, what do I need to do? I need to accept Jesus in my heart. Well, how do I do that? Well, here in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You go, what does that mean? I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. But it's what millions of people are doing all day today. If you're serious about God, if you're serious about what has been said and that you're ready to surrender completely to him, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come stand right here as I lead you in a prayer. Oh, why do I have to do that? Because you need a defining moment when you said, this is the day. This is the day I gave my life to Jesus. And you go, well, Ben, 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 what if, I've, what if I said the prayer when I was eight? Has God changed you from the inside? Well, I don't know. Then you get up and you come and stand right here too. Because this is a defining moment right here. Right here. Listen, under this carpet is scripture that we have prayed for you for many, many years. And we prayed for this area right here where people would come and meet Jesus. So the question is, if you were, honestly, look at me, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And if the answer is, I don't know, I'm telling you, you can know today, but you've got to make that decision. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. You go, Ben, it's Easter. What if nobody responds? Then I can go to bed tonight knowing everybody's saved. But I know God is moving in your heart. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, your resurrection proves how much you love us, how much we're accepted, and how you free us from the bondage of this life. And I don't know why anybody else wouldn't want this. I don't know why people are, are, are just plain. But you do. And so, Lord, I've presented your word as best as I, uh, as I could. Would you, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, move on the hearts of people 
would you move on the hearts of people so that they could get saved? Would you begin to speak to them like they've never heard before? This is the most serious time, most awesome time. With every eye closed and every head bowed, nobody looking around, please, nobody moving. If you're here this morning and God is speaking to you, he was speaking to you, and you're not in a right relationship with him, but you know you want to be, you know, you, you know this is what he's talking. He was talking to you the whole time. And he loves you very, very much. And he wants you to be part of the family. Would you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. And so I'm asking you, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'll acknowledge you. And you just say right now, would you just do that right now? If God is speaking to you so that you can get saved, so that you can join the family, would you just lift up your hand right now? See it? Do it nice and high so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God is speaking to you. You just you need to be right with him. You need to be right with him. And, and right now, you're just kind of going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. The enemy has come in and... and Where are you with God? Remember, if you're saying, I don't know, then you need to lift up your hand. Let me pray for you. Lift up your hand if you're not saved and you want to be this morning. Father, I thank you for the hands that were raised today. I thank you. Lord, I feel it in my spirit, Lord, that there, there are others, God. They're, they're actually having a, a, an internal war right now. God, I know, I know. They're fighting. They're going back and forth. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to raise my hand. People are going to think I'm, I've been going to church. I don't know. What a great opportunity. On April 17, 2022, he said, yes, today is the day I gave my life to Jesus. Listen to me. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm asking you to join the family of God once and for all. So here's what I'm going to do. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to come and stand in front of me. I don't care if it's one or two or 15, whatever it might be, but we're going to rejoice with you because this is the day to do it. So if you've raised your hand and you're serious about God, would you get up out of your seat right now and come stand right here in front of me? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. 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 Is there anybody else that needs to be up here? You're, 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 you just need to come. Just come right now. Don't worry about what people think. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come on, we'll wait for you. I told you I feel like there's, there's more that are this thing here going, I, I need to be up there. Would you do that for me? If God is speaking to you so that you can get saved, you just come up right now. You're holding back. Well, I'll wait. I'll wait, God. This is serious, Lord. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? I'm going to give you just a minute. If you need to be up here, get up out of your seat and come stand right here. Amen. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can look at me for just a moment. Prayers alone don't, don't, aren't sufficient to save, okay? This is you making a commitment to God. And here's what's going to happen. God's going to come in your heart. He's going to forgive you of all your sins. He's going to bless you. He's going to just come and he's going to guide you from here on out. And that's the greatest thing that ever happened. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? Would you repeat after me? Church, would you repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again. I believe you're coming back for me. I believe you love me, and I'm going to be part of a family. I believe I'm accepted, and you love me. And I'm asking you now, Lord, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus. For forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good job. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.